wise and understanding among you. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. I'll never forget that day. It was the last day I ever snowboarded. I'm sorry to those of you who love snowboarding, but I gotta, I gotta tell you the story. So I was at Copper Mountain in Colorado, and I was a youth pastor at the time out with my youth group. We had a ski day together, so we were ripping down the mountain, having a lot of fun, and toward the end of the day, a couple of the junior senior boys kind of egged me on to go into the terrain park, which was a bad decision. And we got toward the end of the terrain park and I jumped off a couple little jumps and, and they said, Pastor Brian, you gotta, you gotta send it off this one, man. 15 foot kicker right underneath the lift. It's gonna be awesome. You gotta send it off of this. And I thought, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> Until I got on the actual jump and I got halfway up and I realized this is not going to end well. It's not gonna end well. So I tried to bail at the very last second and all I saw going off that jump was the front of my snowboard up here and I began to roll the windows down on an imaginary car as fast as I possibly could. I landed and my arm buckled behind me and I heard pop, 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 pop and my entire rotator cuff was frayed and I began to spew words out that were not very pastoral in nature. I'll let you use your imagination, but all of my youth group kids were sitting there staring in horror as profanity after profanity after profanity came up out of the deep well of my soul in that moment. And I remember one of the kids saying, he must really be hurt. And I was. And that was the last day that I ever snowboarded. So I am convicted when James begins this section by saying, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. Now, I'm standing on a stage, and at that point in my life was standing before high school and middle schoolers on a regular basis as a teacher. 
So I come into this passage humbled, acknowledging that I'm preaching this as much to me as I am to you. But I'm also wondering this this morning. Is this a passage about cussing? Is that what this passage is? Is this a passage about saying certain words, not saying certain words, and pastors shouldn't say certain words? I mean, that's kind of what we do. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about being judgmental and non-Christians look at us and say, oh, Christians, they do certain things. One of the things they do is they use good language instead of bad language. We don't cuss. And if you cuss, you're, you're, one of those whole, you're one of those unholy people. But if you don't cuss, you're one of those holy people. And I'm wondering, as I'm reading this, is this what that's talking about? Because if it is, oh, your pastor's got some work to do. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But I think it has something to do deeper than that this morning. So I want us to go deeper than we would most of the time do in the church. We would most of the time relegate a passage like this uh, to its most shallow uh, meaning. Like, don't say certain words. And what I want to help you understand is that James wants to speak to our hearts and our souls and our lives about the power of our tongue. Actually, he wants to talk to us about three things. The possibility of our words the power of our words, the problems within our words, and the need for our words to be perfected. He wants to help us understand that there is great possibility, great power, great problems, and ultimately that our words need to be perfected. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I've got some props to help us along because James uses some great metaphors today. So first, the possibility of our words are given to us in two pictures, a bit and a rudder, a bit and a rudder. He begins by saying this, When we put bits in the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I brought with me today my trusty steed to help you understand uh, horses. That's right, that's right. Oh yeah, okay, all right. A little Monty Python right there. Okay, I feel like somebody should have coconuts. Anyway, for a few of you who understand that joke, good for you. This is my trusty steed, and he is here to help us understand what James is saying about the possibility of our tongue. See, horses, they have something called a bit in their mouth attached to the reins, and if you pull on one side of the reins, it will steer the horse in a certain direction because the bit in their mouth puts a certain pressure within their mouth that makes them steer in that direction. Or if you put pressure on the opposite side, that's gonna put pressure on the opposite side of their mouth, and it's going to steer them in another direction. My wife uh, showed horses growing up. She lived outside of town here and she had a couple horses and did Western pleasures showing her horses. And so when we started dating and getting to know each other, I thought, boy, I need to start learning a little bit about horses. And so I met a guy uh, who helped me spend some time with horses and he had about 12 horses and we got to ride them and hang out with them. And he, he actually helped me to learn how to break some of them. And we had a wonderful time. I had a wonderful time and, and Lori joined me lots uh, having a wonderful time hanging out with those horses and with a guy named Mark. And Mark taught me uh, about how we use bits in horses. 
What he wanted to create all the time for a horse was a soft-mouthed horse. So if you're a horse person, you know what I'm talking about, right? He wanted a soft-mouthed horse, a horse that would respond without much pull on the reins, that a horse would be sensitive to the direction that we wanted the horse to go so we wouldn't have to be yanking on the reins. And that's the picture that James is putting before us. He's saying there's possibility in your words, that your words can take you to the right or they can take you to the left. They can take you this way or they can take you that way, that there's great possibility in your Words, all right, I'm gonna put him back. He's getting a little restless, okay. The second picture that he is giving to us is the picture of a rudder, the picture of a rudder. Now, I, I don't know a lot about sailing. I've watched, I've watched Captain Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean a few times, so I feel like I know a few things uh, about this. But what he gives us is the picture of a rudder as well to help us understand also the possibility of our words. Here's how he continues. He says, or take ships, for example, although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. So you've got this big ship and the wind blows into the sails on this and this very little rudder underneath it, it turns that very large boat. So James is saying, hey, this little thing, it, it has great possibility. It can, it can change the whole course. It can change the whole direction of where you are headed. Although the boat is big and it's got lots of things going on, there's this small little piece that can determine the direction of where the boat is headed. I got to go on a, a youth group trip uh, one time we went to a place called Rock and Water on the American River and we did whitewater rafting there. And during one of our trips down the river, uh, the guide said to me, hey, do you wanna, do you wanna get back here and, and kind of captain the ship for a little bit? I thought, yes, I do, right? And so we're in this uh, raft and I've got guys up front and they're paddling. He said, they're the engine and all you need to do is steer us in the right direction. You just need to use this rudder to steer us to the right, to steer us to the left, to steer us into the right line to float correctly through this next rapid. This is a picture of the possibility of our tongues, the possibility of our words. We know this to be true. We've heard phrases like Kennedy saying, we choose to go to the moon. When some of you heard those words, there was a trajectory. We're actually gonna go to the moon. The words were words of possibility. How about this? Will you marry me? Words of possibility. Maybe she says yes. Maybe she says no. And we are going in different directions based upon that exchange of words, the possibility in our words. I'd like to apply for this job. Possibility in your words. You're fired. <laughs> different possibilities before you. 
One of my favorite examples. Hold my beer and watch this. Filled with possibilities, okay? Right? (laughs) Words are filled with possibilities. We can go to the right. We can go to the left. We can be led by the bit in our mouth or we can be led by the rudder of the ship in a certain direction that leads us in life. That's the first picture that he gives us, a picture of possibility. And possibility always leads to the second. It leads to the power in our words. See, the power in our words comes out of the possibility. Some of those phrases that I just used, they're not just words of possibility, they're also words of Power. And so the picture that he puts before us is that power is in our words and the power is like a spark. Let me see if I can get this to go. So this is, this is a fire starter. And if you use this out in the forest, you can actually get a little fire started. Am I making you a little nervous? I'm a little nervous up front. All right. You're in the splash zone and this week the fire zone. Okay. He says it's like a spark. He says this, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Once again, James coming in hot, right? So he's saying there is power in our words. It's Valentine's Day, right? Or Singles Awareness Day for some of you. Okay, all right. (laughs) Okay, sorry. So, Valentine's Day. I'll never forget when I said the first time to my wife, I love you. I, I remember where I was sitting. I remember the situation. I remember the day and the year. And there was a... That would have worked way better. That's probably actually more honest about how it went right there. I'm going to be honest with you. She was probably like, oh, I'm not so sure, but there was a spark. There was a spark, right? The words I love you are a spark, right? They're a spark. Like the words I love you are some of the most powerful words that you can hear. My daughter and I, we play this little game where I'm like, hey, Ava, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. I got to tell you something. And, and she's gotten to the point where she goes, I know, dad, you love me. And I'm like, yep, I'm gonna do that for the rest of your life because those words are powerful. I love you. And it set a spark on fire, a spark that was good and healthy. But what James paints a picture of here is a different kind of spark, isn't it? It's a spark of destruction. And I think we know this spark equally, equally well. So we know that certain words spark in our relationships and certain words create a fire in our relationships. Last year, we saw the effect of sparks on a mountain not far from here, up on the M, up on the ridge, right? 
We got to see in full effect what happens when a spark becomes a fire and it burns the side of the mountain. As I did a little research on that fire, they figured that three weeks before that fire, there was a lightning strike that hit a tree and sparked that tree underground inside of that tree. And that ember just burned and burned and burned until the winds came up and it lit it on fire because there was this small little spark that burst into a fire and burned the side of the mountain, one little spark that causes a fire. The words I love you are powerful. The words I don't love you anymore are equally as powerful. The words I want a divorce are powerful. The words I'm not going to stay are powerful. These are words that have been used in our marriages and caused massive destruction. A little spark that caused a great fire. Or take, for example, the way kids interact. They, they spark each other, right? One, one sibling, listen to me, kids. Listen to me, okay? Stay with me, kids. This is for you. Parents, you're welcome, okay? So one sibling says something mean to the other sibling. And so the other sibling says, well, I'm going to say something mean to my sibling. And then round and round and round we go in something that becomes a fire. And suddenly there is a fight within the house. There is a fire within the home. And you and your brother, you and your sister are fighting. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Oh, you guys are being nice to each other. That's good. Good job. Love it. Or coworker. Coworker posts something on social media and you're like, I cannot believe that they believe that. And they posted that on social media. And so you post something in the comment section and suddenly a spark gives birth to another spark, which gives birth to another spark. And suddenly you're part of a conversation you didn't even want to be a part of. And the spark has led to a Fire. Our words are powerful, are powerful. We need to consider every single word we say. Within this section, you got to notice this. These little details are important. It says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, makes great boasts. Consider a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. Listen to this. A world of evil among the parts of the body. What James is saying here is it is a spark that is its own world. That, that words create worlds. Words create worlds. That is the power within them. And oftentimes the power is used for destruction. So the possibility, the power, and lastly, the problem. The problem with our words. So, so James uses two pictures here, a tree and a spring, to help us understand the problem within our words. He, he goes on and says this, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Listen, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? 
my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce water. We have a problem within our words and that problem is inconsistency. It's inconsistency. This, my friends, is a fig tree. Does anybody know what this produces? Somebody said it, say it out loud. There you go, figs, that's right. It doesn't produce apples. You wanna know why? Because it's a fig tree. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. This fig tree, it does what it's supposed to do, but our tongues, we don't always do that, do we? Like you, we, listen, be honest. You come in here like, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Then you get in the parking lot and you start driving out and somebody cuts you off and you're like, got a word for you. And it's a very different word than even when I can't see it, you're working, right? We're talking out of this side of our mouth and we're talking out of that side of our mouth. We are inconsistent in our language. We are inconsistent with our words. Think about this. Haven't you said the most wonderful things to the people that are closest to you, but also the worst things to the people that are closest to you? Like the people that you've loved the most with your words, haven't you probably also hurt them the most with your words? James simply says that cannot be. That's a problem. The fig tree is made to produce figs. It's not made to produce something else. Same with the spring, okay? Same with the spring. Hey, all right. That's awesome. That's so good. Thank you, Sam. (laughs) Now you know what we do all week. Like, hey, make me a spring, okay. Okay. Um, So so there's a a spring up near Big Sky called the Snowflake Spring. Uh, If you're driving up to West Yellowstone, just before you get to the border of the park, just past Taylor uh, Taylor Fork, you'll see a spring coming out of the side of the mountain. If you've never seen it, it's awesome, worth the drive, okay? And that comes out all year long at a consistent temperature. In fact, the reason I know that is you can fish underneath that spring, downstream of that spring, all year long. It's a great place to fish in the dead of the winter. I, I fished there with my dad when it was in the negative, I don't even know, negative 10 or something like that, something like this week. We went and fished up there in awful weather like that. And the reason we were able to do it is this freshwater spring is just producing consistent flows of water. It's, it's producing consistent temperatures of water and it's doing it all day long. It doesn't produce salt water, Right? I mean, that, that's good for bonefish, but that's not good for trout, right? And I love both of those, but I love trout a little more, okay? I'm gonna be honest with you. I should get an amen from somebody, okay? And so I love trout and trout love fresh water and fresh water is pouring out of that spring day and night consistently. Same, not, it's not true with our words. Our words are inconsistent. Sometimes they're bitter and sometimes they're sweet. Sometimes they're filled with love. Sometimes they're filled with hatred. And there's this harder question, I think, that James is asking from us, even with the spring and with the fig tree. What is being produced in you? What is springing forth in you? 
What is the fruit in your life? What's coming out of your life? And James would say, we have a problem. We've got to admit that we have a problem. So we've got possibility. We've got great power, but we've got a great problem. And here's how I want to end. Because uh, I think we need perfection. And that's hard. Like that's how the passage started. Anyone who is able to keep their mouth at check is perfect, right? That, that's the call on our lives. And I've been feeling this throughout this series. I don't know if you've been feeling this. But I, like I literally just got an email after the first service this morning just saying, how, how, do, I, how do I do this? Like, how do I live this life? And I'm feeling that tension as well. Like, I'm gonna be honest with you. There's weeks where I, I, like, I, I preached a judgmental one two weeks ago and I was like, I'm gonna not be judgmental. And then like Tuesday happened, okay? And like some got wrong, I don't know. It just happened. Like I was suddenly judgmental again, right? I was like, why does that keep happening, Jesus? I want transformation in my life. Like when Bob is challenging us to live a life worthy of God, I'm like, I'm gonna do it this week. And then Tuesday happens again. I'm like, I'm not doing it again. What is going on? And James just keeps bringing challenge after challenge after challenge. And I keep thinking, well, how, how, do we, how do we correct this? Right? If, if, if our tongues are steering us in the wrong direction, they're sparking great fires in our lives and, and they're inconsistent at best, what do we do? Here's what we need to do. We need to look at the perfected word. The perfected word. Jesus. The perfected word. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop trying to do this all on your own. I believe this with all of my heart. It is this simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. That we need to affix our eyes on the perfected word, Jesus. That we need to keep looking at him and asking him, Jesus, how will you shape my words? How will you shape them to be consistent? How will you shape them so they direct my life in great ways? How will you shape my life to take the fire and the spark out of my words so they can be life-giving instead of destruction to others around me? I don't think we can do this on our own will, but I think if we keep our eyes on the perfected word, that it could transform us. I think Jesus wants to transform us because he is the perfect word. So John starts his gospel, his, his account of Jesus, but with these three words, in the beginning, in the beginning. James' audience would have looked at John's account and thought the same thing. Oh, I know those words from the beginning of the Bible, from Genesis 1. What's coming next, John? Well, it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John 1, verse 1 and John 1, 
Verse 14. See, John wants us to see two things. He wants us to see that in the beginning, God created, created the heavens and the earth and everything was good. And Jesus was there. It wasn't like Jesus was some afterthought. It wasn't like Jesus like didn't exist and then all of a sudden he did exist. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word put on flesh and made his dwelling among us. 2,000 years ago, it wasn't good enough for God to stay in heaven. Jesus shows up, puts on flesh, steps into our shoes, into our sandals, I guess, in that time, right? And he gets face to face with us and he shows us a better way and he lives a better life. And do you know how he does much of it? With his words. Think about this. With his words, he speaks people are healed. He, he prays and 5,000 people get fed with a little boy's lunchable. He stands up in a boat, looks around at the wind and the waves and says, be still. And even the wind and the waves obey his voice. Why? Because he is the word. Remember I said words create worlds? What happened in Genesis 1? Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the, the spirit of God was hovering over the chaos, over the abyss, over the waters. And God said, let there be light. Words created everything we know. And so Jesus comes and shows us the greater way with his words, even to his dying moment. As he hangs upon the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And then those short words, it is finished. You need to know Jesus because he will transform the possibility of your words. He will inform the power of your words and he will change the power of your words because he is the perfect word. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word, for your words. Thank you that we just got to look at them. And, and every time we open up your written word, we get to see you, Jesus, the, the word became flesh. Thank you, Jesus, for your brother's words to us this morning. Thank you for the challenge that they're bringing in our lives. And God, we wanna admit to you, we wanna confess to you that our words are broken. God, there are those in the room who have been hurt so deeply by words. We are unable to recover from some of the scars from some of those words, God, and we need your healing hand upon us. 
And God, we admit that we have, we have also been the ones who have spoken those words, words of destruction, words that carried fire, words that were not in line with you, the perfected word. And Jesus, we need you to transform us, transform our voices, transform our words, transform the things we say to each other, transform the words in our marriages, transform the words in our families, transform the words in our conversations, transform the words on social media, transform our words, God. Help us to be a spring overflowing with your words. Help us to be a tree that produces your fruit. Jesus, we just want to be connected to you. Lead, guide, perfect us. We pray this in your name. Yes, and amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.